Good Monday morning and welcome to On Texas Football Today. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of InsideTexas.com and the On3 Network. And guys, it's a new week. Texas, they had their first scrimmage this past weekend. They're having practice today. Sark has a presser today. I mean, it's a it's been a busy couple of days and it looks like it's not going to let up. Uh, Bobby, I'm going to just go ahead and go right over to you and tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe wrap up, give us some scrimmage notes and what you're expecting today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, obviously, I think they're on the field, practice field right now. Sark meets at with the media between 1030 and 11, I believe. Uh, today, we'll have some notes from that, obviously, as well when that occurs. Uh, but uh, really, the, the talk of the scrimmage were two things for me. Um, one was uh, the play of Arch Manning, very solid uh, had a good run uh, where the DBs couldn't catch him. Now, that doesn't mean he's super athletic, although he is a good athlete. It just means he's going to be a functional runner in college, which is a huge benefit. Um, and then you add on his arm talent on top of that, and then it's just a different category. The other cap, the other thing that I would say that I get out, got out of yes, uh, Saturday's scrimmage is that the young guys are legit. That of, of all of the things, I mean, I heard Anthony Hills, Manny Muhammad, Jontae Cook, uh, Cedric Baxter, uh, the the young guys, Leon LaFau, uh was mentioned as well. Warren, I, the young guys are legit. So um, added that together, and I think that that you're starting to get a picture of what the roster is going to look like because we already know, frankly. I mean, we've you. A lot of us have seen Baron Sorrell before. We've seen Byron Murphy and Alfred Collins. We know what they can do, whether they put it all together is a different story. Um, but the new guys are always the interesting part, part, a large part to me, because you don't know how they're going to adapt from high school to college. But those two things are probably the biggest takeaways for me. Jerry, did you have any big ones based on what you heard? Yeah, you know, look, I talked to, uh, I said it on the live stream last night, but, you know, I know we got hundreds, thousands of people on these things. Um, I, I will say this. I had somebody who has a really good set of football eyes now tell me that Malik Muhammad is very, very, very good. Uh, so that caught my attention because of who said it. And then also said that Anthony has, has a chance to be a special, pretty special linebacker. Same set of eyes told me that. So... Because of who had told me that, I even set up a little bit more and said, hmm, okay. Uh, that that had a lot of meaning to me. And that uh, he said, I didn't know Arch was that fast. <laughs> and, yes, he, and, and yes, that's just a, a small part of the equation with Arch Manning. I think he's making good decisions with the football. Uh, hey, guys, I want to say, Blake, if you don't mind, I just want to take a minute to say what yeah. we're doing here. It's called On Texas Football Today. During football season, guys, we're going to do this 8 to 9 every morning, Monday through Friday. Uh, it's kind of to just set the day for everybody, give give the big news of the day so everybody gets a, a chance to get that in. Uh, still going to have tons of articles on Inside Texas, obviously, to go even further in depth. Uh, but the idea here, get us going in the morning. Make sure you guys know what's happening on the 40 acres. Uh, talk about the stuff that matters uh, for Texas football, and then also get a chance to to, to answer any pressing questions uh, before the day gets started. Blake will be the host. Uh, it'll be a rotating guest of myself, Jerry, uh, and others like Justin Wells, I think is going to be a, a big participant because I know a lot of people love uh, to hear the East Texas 
Justin Wells in the morning to get them up and going. So uh, that's what we hope to do. Uh, appreciate you guys uh, tuning in and listening. Uh, we're going to try to make this a, a fun place for you guys to sit down, have coffee, listen at work, listen at home, wherever you're at. Well, guys, two talking points I want to start with this morning. Number one, uh, in week three, you know, Texas will be hosting Wyoming. Well, yesterday we find out that their starting running back, uh, Dwyane McNeely, is out for the season. That means their top two running backs, top, you know, both second, first and second string running back are now out. The second string one may come back. But uh, does it matter if you're Texas? <laughs> You know, I don't I don't think it necessarily matters that much. I, I think Texas is going to be three, four touchdown favorite in that game, most likely, depending on uh, the Alabama, Alabama outcome. Obviously, it'll have some some say on that. But it, Texas will be coming home. Uh, I, I just feel like, uh, you know, that those are games that Texas is going to be heavily favored in. I just note it because, you know, anytime a guy, a team loses a guy that's going to be a starter uh, that you're going to play early in the year. Uh, you want to make sure you, you're aware of it. Uh, DeWyan McNeely, he was injured last year as well, Blake. So uh, not sure how big the loss is, but something to note. Yeah, you see, my take is it stinks because you're going to beat these teams anyway, so you want them at full strength. You don't want it to become a scrimmage. Yeah. So I want their bet because the G5s, they don't have many guys that can really challenge you individually. I would like all their guys to be healthy. Makes sense for sure. And then, of course, Wyoming opens the season with Texas Tech. So we'll see what they're made of right away. The other thing that I wanted to talk to you all about, and I, I know that I sent this to both of y'all last night, but there was an ESPN article uh, where they were interviewing anonymous coordinators in the Big 12. And a Big 12 defensive coordinator had a, a couple of things to say about Texas quarterback situation. And uh, he says, quote, it's hard not to be successful when you got all those weapons around you. I know he's going to get a lot of hype and all that, but I don't think he's as good as other Big 12 quarterbacks. Of course, talking about Quinn Ewers. He then goes on to say, I would watch for the other kid talking about Manning to unseat him at some point. What is y'all's thoughts on that? My first thought is let's get this out of the way. That wasn't PK. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) where do we go? I, I don't, uh, Jerry, your take on it from, a, you know, the, the article went on to say, Blake, that he thought that Arch Manning could end up taking the role uh, by midseason if, if yours didn't uh, perform well. I, I would agree that Arch could take the role if yours doesn't perform well. I mean, but so could Malik Murray. So, you know, let, let's be clear. Uh, it's a little bit of a guy that doesn't know everything that's going on behind the scenes. For me, uh, what was interesting is the quarterbacks that he mentioned ahead of him were Will Howard at Kansas State, which led Kansas State to the Big 12 championship last year. Uh, also, uh, Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma uh, said that he felt like Ewers was behind him, uh, as well as Jalen Daniels, who the quarterback at uh, Kansas that we've all talked about. That's a dual, a true dual threat guy, uh, not a pass first. But this defensive coordinator felt like those three were ahead of Quinn Ewers at this point. I don't disagree with that based on last year's play, but from a talent standpoint, where does Quinn mix in with that? And in Jerry, that's what we've been talking about this whole offseason is Texas will go at some level to the level that Quinn Ewers steps up to, right? 
Yeah, for sure. And look, I don't I don't agree with that defensive coordinator, but I will admit I'm zero and zero. Uh, so I'm coming from an easy, easy position on this <laughs> stuff. Um, but look, I think Quinn will have a really good year. Um, I think it's incredibly important for Steve Sarkeesian to have Quinn play well and go in the NFL draft. I think that's great for the University of Texas, especially a quarterback that's from Southlake that went to Ohio State that transferred back to Texas that has the talent of Quinn. I expect to see a much improved quarterback this year. And again, it's very important uh, for Texas and Steve Sarkeesian that Quinn is, it, it plays well and is an NFL draft pick. I don't think he's going to get unseated this year. I think that would be a stunning turn of events for me. Um, uh, but like that, so yeah, I don't agree. And I think, look, that you know, you asked a question enough, somebody will give the answer you want, right? I mean, there's there was nine <laughs> defensive coordinators to ask, right? Somebody's actually 13, I guess. <laughs> so somebody's going to take yeah. debate, right? I mean, you know, hopefully they asked a returning Big 12 coordinator if they're going to go out and give the answers to Dylan Gabriel, uh, right. Howard, and uh, Jalen Daniels. So, so hopefully it's only. Hey, hey, we, 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 we had a comment on here from Stephen Houston. I thought it was great. This guy's hoping Quinn doesn't, isn't better. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't his comment, but he had one that this, this defensive coordinator was hoping Quinn hasn't improved. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. There you go. I, I agree with that. I mean, <laughs> look, I mean, Texas has a chance guys. I mean, we, we just continue to hear this stuff uh, behind the scenes. Jerry, you and I both talked to multiple people uh, over the weekend. And, I mean, look, we got comments coming out of this. I, I said it when I first went there. I was like, this is the best-looking team they've had yeah. in a decade at least. You got comments from from uh, folks over Saturday that were, you know, this is just – look, it just strikes you a little different, right? No question. Um, the, the question now is they've got to go out and prove it a little bit. We do have, and I, I wrote an article this morning for Inside Texas, and I want to talk about that too, guys. Um, it is the week. It is decision week right now. And I'm not talking about recruiting decision week. We, we're going to get into some recruiting talk later today, but or later in this hour. But it is decision week for coaches. So scrimmage one is in the books. That's when they kind of – that's their initial pecking order that either uh, – verifies what they've been seeing or they have an aha moment with a young guy, that sort of thing. Week two, scrimmage two is this coming Saturday. That will be what they set their lineup from. So, you know, everybody can be, have these, this uh, kind of tentative roster schedule or depth chart, but uh, this is a big week uh, for the Longhorns and the players themselves, because it will determine some uh, some uh, depth chart moves. For sure. All right, guys, plenty of time to get those questions in. Some of them are already coming in, and so we'll get we'll get to them. Uh, and I actually want to start <laughs> with this question right here. We're gonna we're gonna make it a, a softball one here. It's from ZZZ Cheese, and he says, "What's up, Jerry and Bobby? What's your go-to breakfast?" Well, when I'm on the road, it's uh, it's normally a little uh, Chick Fil A. Uh, a little, you know, a little 12 count nugget, uh, eight count nugget, depending on how hungry I shouldn't be, um, <laughs> with a little unsweet tea. That's, that's what I go. That's what I go with. Maybe a little coffee too. I need to mix more coffee in. I'm all about egg. I'm all about eggs. I, I, I do uh, two or three eggs a, a day with some vegetables chopped up. I'm a, and I'm a creature of habit, by the way. So it, that's every day for me if I get a chance. 
Hey, by the way, if I it look if I look if it looks like I'm cracking up while y'all are talking, it's because UT boy has me uh laughing on the comment thread as usual. My guy. Well, we'll just go ahead and jump right to that one, Jerry. He says, Jerry, I remember you laughing at me about Jonte. How does Jonte really make you feel deep down? <laughs> I love it. Uh, laughing at you on three Adam rank top is a five star. Uh, and uh, I, I think look, I think Jonte is uh as long as he keeps on the path he's on as far as really maximizing his talent. By the way, Andrew Jackson hook him from League City. There you go. Um, as long as he stays on the path he's on, maximizing his talent, he's got a bright future. And that's what I say about all these kids, man. I mean, but what's impressed me about John and the Anthony Hill, Arch Manning, Cedric Baxter, uh, all these highly ranked kids in this class, uh, Sadir Mitchell, uh, they're putting in the work. They're, you know, I think that Sark's in a great position right now because they're building it. So all these kids come in wanting to help build something special. And we talk about how hard it is what for, you know, Nick Saban went through it, Kirby Smart, and Dabo definitely has gone through it. The next group of kids after you win, it, it, they just expect it to happen. They don't understand how it happened. The great thing for Sark right now, he's got a lot, a lot of guys coming in here. They're going to show the next groups how it happens. And then it's up to those next group of recruits not to come in expecting it to happen. All right, if that makes any sense, hey, guys, I gotta say this. I gotta say this. So, so obviously, I've been helping. I've helped create this channel. Jerry's been with me from day one. This is really. I think I want to change the name officially from On Texas Football Today, which is what I thought we were going to do. And Danny, I, you may get a free subscription to Life. I think this is really what I want it to be. Coffee and Good football. Co- like Coffee it. and football. That's kind of what I'm thinking for this uh, this show in the future, guys. Uh, just uh, just so everybody gets a gets a chance. Hey, Blake. At some point today, uh, don't don't forget. I want to talk about the running back room. And if we, if we have time right now, you good with us talking about it now? Yeah, I was actually uh, Ashton Holloman was was bringing up the depth chart, and so I was going to lead into that and uh, ask you about about the depth, especially a running back. So go yeah, ahead, Bob. Jer- Jerry and I have talked about this based on what we've heard at this point. I mean, Jonathan Brooks is the leader at running back. It's not, oh, well, Cedric Baxter may take him over later in the year. It's, it's it, only if there's injury. I'm just telling you, Jonathan Brooks is ready to go. Cedric Baxter, once the lights come on in practice, is a different type of player. But my opinion uh, on this is that it's going to be Jonathan Brooks Keelan Robinson will have a role. He had a long TD run in the scrimmage. Uh, Cedric Baxter will be the guy that they try to clean up some stuff with in the third and fourth quarter, uh, give him maybe an, a carry or two in the first half, but lean on him uh, also potentially in the red zone. The question I have right now is, what does that do with Jaden Blue? Uh, is he going to have to wait to see if somebody gets injured? Is he going to get rotated in a little bit here and there to see what he does in that Keelan Robinson type role? Jerry, what what are you hearing at running back that may differ slightly or be totally different for me? Because that's that's what I've got. No, I think I think that I think you're on it, man. I mean, I really do. And um, I, I think w- what's going to be tough for some of the other backs is, like you said, once it comes game time, I think Cedric Baxter is going to shine, especially running behind first team offensive line against the Rices and the Wyoming's early in the season. Right. Um, especially with the wideouts and everything around him. Uh, but yeah, Jonathan Brooks is the guy. I think Cedric Baxter is the number two actual running back. I think Keelan 
uh, who has an NFL draft grade head in this year, in part because of his special teams play. But you got to remember, this is a guy that transferred from Alabama. I mean, he transferred from Alabama to Texas um, out of the D.C. area. Uh, very talented. Uh, but he'll have a role as well. And I think Jaden Blue is actually a really good change of pace. I think it's, he's going to have his moments, though. I think if you can get him in space versus a Rice versus a Wyoming, you're going to see big plays because of his speed and explosiveness. I think he's also could make big plays in the passing game. So I think Tech, I think Texas wants to work all those guys in. The question I continue to have, and I know I sound like a broken record, is with clocks running on first downs, you know, if you lose a possession a game, man, that's just less snaps to go around. Whether that's a three and out, whether that's six, whether it's a nine-play drive or a 12-play drive, you're losing snaps. So the coaches are really going to have to do a great job here of rotating, not rotating, but getting these guys opportunities because you all, all you do when you have a lot of really talented players is fight the portal. And that means guys going into the portal. So that's a tougher job for college coaches than ever with the portal and now running clocks on first down. Yeah, reduced opportunities could yeah. lead to – uh, transfers, no question. Especially if, especially if they think they can go somewhere else and start right away. Well, while we're on the subject of running backs, guys, I'm going to go to go ahead and bring up this question for this name, Kai Woods. Are you expecting him to play any this season? Maybe Wyoming Rice type situation? I mean, and what, and what have you heard on him, if anything? I've seen him um, uh, three times so far this fall. Uh, he is a. He's not. Um, put this the right way. He's not your typical walk-on. Let's let's start with that. He's productive when he gets in there and gets a chance. He's a little smallish. Not I'm not saying he's Deuce Vaughn small or that level of player, but he is different than every other back Texas has right now. Um, and so I can see him definitely getting some fourth quarter time. Uh, you know, other than that, I don't see much though because with Cedric Baxter getting up to speed, uh, he wasn't fully up to speed in the spring. Uh, with Jonathan Brooks all the way back, with Keelan Robinson all the way back. You got to remember, Baxter, or excuse me, Brooks and Robinson did not participate in spring practice. So those two, whatever running game you saw in the spring game is going to look different now because you got, you're adding two guys that are definitely ahead of Jaden Blue and even Cedric Baxter at this point as well. So uh, we'll have to wait and see as well as Kai Woods, who I think is a, a nice football player. Hey, Blake, bring up Danny's question on Leona LeFowl. Okay. Uh, let's I think me and Matt got to keep clicking it at the same time. Danny go. says, how much weight has LeFowl put on? I was excited of his prospect coming in, but wasn't sure if he was going to be big enough. The hit he put on Sanders makes me think otherwise. I don't uh, I, I don't know the exact weight he's at right now, but he walked right by me twice um, in uh, late July when I was there for the Texas pool party recruiting event. And if he's not 222, 225, I'd be surprised. I would bet he's in that area code. Uh, but I want to say something about the hit he put on Sanders because this is one of the things that we like to we like to talk about with all the scrimmage reports, right? We, we like to come back and talk about this again. There were some reports that he absolutely smoked Sanders and Sanders was, went out of the scrimmage and was hurt. Okay, so I think myself and Bobby did a little more research on that. It was actually a hit where – LaFowle hit Sanders from behind. Sanders was running a crossing route. Quinn actually made a hell of a throw from what we understand on that when he was being flushed up into the pocket, then moving right. Then uh, if Quinn makes those throws this year, he's going to have a really good year, by the way, from what we hear. But so Leona LaFowle hit him from behind. Malik Muhammad's 
helmet actually hit the ball and probably actually caused the fumble. So it wasn't just some kill shot like that. It was just two guys uh, coming, uh, converging on a pass catcher, which was JT Sanders. But it may have been Muhammad that actually caused the fumble from what we hear. But by but Lemonel Fowles playing really well, especially in space and in coverage, Bobby. The, the biggest thing you just said uh, there, though, Jerry, was Quinn Ewers climbing the pocket. That's the best thing that happened. We, we've we heard some reports of that. We haven't seen it during his time at Texas yep. yet. If we see that this year, he beca- and he starts using all of the pocket as opposed to just feeling only comfortable throwing off his heels in the back of it, he becomes a different quarterback. Texas is a different offense because by him pushing up in the pocket, it's going to make the linebackers commit underneath. Uh, a lot of things change. Uh, for for Quinn Ewers. By climbing the pocket for Quinn Ewers too, Jerry, tell me if you agree with this, the fact that he can throw off platform and get those linebackers to to make a decision will help Texas. Yes. It will get some better. I I think that's one one of the things Will Howard does really, really well at Kansas State, by the way. Hey, by the way, Blake, I want to mention – on it, right now on Inside Texas, $1 for one month or 25% off your annual subscription. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get some recruiting questions in here. I posted a Texas path to a third straight top five class on Inside Texas today. So if you're not a subscriber or member, get over there, uh, check that out uh, because we get a lot of questions. How does Texas, what are the chances they can have three straight top five classes? I put that out, put that out this morning coming off the Colin Simmons uh, commitment what I think has to happen years in this business how these class rankings go uh, before uh, we were talking about the running backs before LaFell I want to get back to one more running back question uh if I can find it this one from Ashton Holloman and he says Jerry I don't mean to contradict you but during the spring game coach Sark made the comment that blue was really good in tight spaces he wants your thoughts on that I think he's good in tight spaces but I think tight spaces can also be uh in the open field right I mean Tight spaces can be linebacker, corner, nickel corner converging on blue. And in a little phone booth area, he makes two guys miss and accelerates, right? I don't think that's always in between the tackles running. I think tight spaces is who's around you, how much working space you have to get get rid of those guys or make a move on those guys. So I look at tight spaces a little different. Tight spaces can be on the sideline where the corner's converging on you and you have to make a quick cut move. So tight spaces to me can mean multiple things, Bobby. Yeah, tight spaces can be outside zone and trying to hit a crease, uh, to be honest, Jerry. I think the bigger piece for me with Jaden Blue out of all of this is not necessarily that he doesn't have the vision to be an inside runner. Does he have the body type to be an an effective inside runner? Can he break tackles? Does he get tripped up? Uh, by an arm tackle. Cedric Baxter has the girth and the size and natural strength for that not to happen. I think Jonathan Brooks has that as well. So being good in tight spaces is not the same as being a good inside runner where durability, strength, those sorts of things, you have to break tackles at the line of scrimmage. Because if you do that, you get past the second line, then then it's one-on-one. If Jaden Blue can do that, then Jaden Blue is going to be a special running back because he has the long speed and he has the ability to make people miss in, in the open field. Yeah, and, and that goes back to Blue in high school. 
he really wasn't that drop the pads, run through you in between a tackles guy in high school. And that was kind of the, always the, what I said. The question for him was going to be, does it, does he have that in him? Is he going to be that guy? Because on some level to be other than a um, situational change of pace guy back. And I've said before, he has as good a hands as you'll see at the running back position, maybe special hands out of the backfield, but to be a complete, back you have to be able be able to and be willing to drop those pads and run through some guys and fall forward multiple times in a row on a drive and that's really a difference maker for me we got another blue question here guys it's from colton and he says how does Jaden blue compare to somebody like ramont's taylor different because i think uh, i think different i think taylor is so explosive uh, and i think blue's really He's got darting quickness for sure. I'm not sure he's quite as explosive, Bobby, as, as Ramon's long speed-wise. I mean, Ramon's could really go get it. Ramon's, I think, long jumped 25 feet. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> there's, now, Blue may have been faster on the track. I, I mean, I, I don't know. But he's not as athletic as – Ramon's Taylor was probably dunking a basketball in fifth grade. Right. That's. <laughs> I mean, he had long arms. He could – I mean – He's bouncy. He's all get out. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would. I, those are not comparisons. Those are not fair comparisons, uh, in my opinion. All right, guys. We got a super chat here from Rudy Serta. I want to thank Rudy, and he says the Texans have a plan if Hudson and Wingo don't work out. Jerry. Yeah, sure. Go get Ad Mitchell from the portal. <laughs> I mean, I. That's the great thing about it is, look, that's where. That's why you don't go to plan B's. I mean, you always evaluate guys in the state, um, but uh, and nationally. But the great thing about being a blue blood is if you miss out on a couple of plan A's, you can go get plan A out of the portal. And he has actually has experience. I just couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I think that the, the college football's changed. Yeah. Um, why would you take a second tier receiver? You're going to have to 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 hope you take him. And then hope you put him up, uh, get, him, get him going two years from now, as opposed to go getting a guy that's caught 60 balls at Toledo. Yep. And you know you got him for one year, and he's going to be productive. Now, if you think he has high upside, like Texas, I think, thinks Parker Livingstone and Freddie DeBose have high upsides, okay? Because they've got long speed, they've got ball skills, all those things. That's different. You're not going to just go take a guy that you think in two years will help you. And I, I think for that, you're, you're going to see I, – I love what Steve Sarkeesian is doing in the receiver room right now. There is no – he's got that one down. That and quarterback, he's got pegged. <laughs> Jeez. I, I think Alan Roker has a good question. Okay. Yeah. So here we go. Alan Roker says, and by the way, thank you again, Rudy. Uh, it says, besides Bama, what are Texas' toughest games? I'm saying Kansas State out of the box. I mean, I I think that is a um, a team that you know I I think the running back transfer from uh, Florida State will be good player. I think Will Howard's a good player. I think the interior of their offensive line's good. Can actually match against Texas's defensive interior front pretty well. Um, and that's a team that, look, this he he already coaches to the rule change in college football. That that so that's one where you really have to stop the run uh, against Kansas State, or you could lose two offensive possessions playing them. I'm I'm all about uh, Kansas State, Kansas, 
And uh, to a lesser degree, I really believe Texas Tech. And, and the fourth one I would say is at TCU. I, I think TCU did a really good job on the portal. Um, I'm interested to see how their quarterback situation plays out during the season. I think it'll be Chad Morris to start, but Josh Hoover's more talented. I'm just here to tell you. And Josh Hoover played in the, the Browse scheme in high school. His high school coach was Art Browse, college roommate at Houston. There is a lot of familiarity with that offensive scheme for Josh Hoover. You've mentioned him a couple times, Jerry. Uh, yeah, I think he's very one, but, I think uh, talented. Yeah, yeah, and I think Kendall Browse going to TCU is a really good thing for Josh Hoover. All right, y'all. I um, am looking here. Let's see. We have a question from John Mugica, and he says, on Texas football, the best in the business. When do we start hearing about offensive and defensive installs? Any formations or lineups you'd like to see? Uh, they, they've done some stuff already. Uh, they've worked red zone. Um, they've worked uh, third, third and short. Uh, short yardage, goal line, that sort of stuff already. So they're already doing some specific installs. Uh, we'll see Byron Murphy, for example, in power runs this year. Uh, again, not that's not, not a big surprise. But they've already doing started doing some of those. As far as installs for specific opponents, I don't typically, typically, that does not happen until after this second scrimmage, which will occur this coming Saturday. They'll start doing specific installs for Alabama, for Rice, for Wyoming. This first three-game run will be getting specific installs at that point in time. Uh, formations, uh, talking to Ian Boyd uh, at, of Inside Texas, uh, I, we really believe it's going to be a lot of 11 personnel this year. That means one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. That seems to fit what uh, Sark wants to do. It also gives him, given that JT Sanders is that tight end, it gives him the ability to go four wides almost. If he wants to motion people out, it could go five uh, with Jonathan Brooks and or Keelan Robinson. It, it, it gives Texas a lot of different uh, personnel looks, but we expect to see more 11 personnel. On defense, uh, I think this is important, Jerry. Uh, you know, let's talk about this because we I don't know if we buried the lead on defense today, but we didn't really talk about Alfred Collins playing in. Yeah, and Vernon Broughton playing some end on Saturday, and we we should talk about that. Why don't you hit on that part, Jerry? Yeah, I think uh, you know early in uh, in ahead in the fall camp, I I, I was kind of not expecting or was told that I, I didn't think that uh, Alfred Collins would get much time on the edge. I think it'll be more situational, but I do think Texas is on that three man front is working uh, on that package there, which especially you know you look at an Alabama, you look at a Kansas State, you look at some of those teams. There's three four teams that you could see them running that uh, against uh, more so than others. Uh, but, yeah, Alfred Collins is working at both positions. More time out on the interior defensive line, but he's also a fourth-year player in a program who's worked uh, outside before. So in that three-man uh, down front, uh, Texas is working with Sweat uh, over the ball, Byron Murphy and Alfred Collins, and then Baron Sorrell obviously is a fourth guy. Now we got a uh, question here about Collins, guys. This one from Christian, and Christian says, "Hey, Bobby, wouldn't moving Collins outside be a possible answer for ba Bama's power run game?" Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But um, not he, he can't be the sole answer, clearly. But I think him and Broughton moving outside would help. 
although Broughton doesn't particularly anchor well against the run. I, I don't know, uh, you know, talking to some folks uh, at Alabama over the weekend, I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued by what they're going to do on offense because they've got, they've got a whale of a defense is what I'm told. They're, they think their defense, this defense is as good as they've had in a long time. So just I, Texas fans thinking Texas is going to go score 40 or 35 on Alabama in, in second weekend in September may not just, just realize you may be running into a buzzsaw on defense. So what they do on offense is so interesting to me because it'll predicate they should theoretically play into their team's strength, right? Keep the ball on the ground, short passing game, and or quarterback power run. I don't know that they have – I think that the two quarterbacks that they're looking at are very, very different in that regard. Milrow is a power run, big play guy. Huge arm, right? Not necessarily the most accurate guy. So are they going to try to – they, they're not going to try to dink and dunk with Milrow, right? They'll try to power. Simpson, they may try to dink and dunk and just eat clock, power run, convert on third and two. Uh and that, that to me, I don't know which way they're going to go. And I think that's Nick Saban's call. He, I, he's probably going to go with quarterback. He feels most likely not to turn the ball over, given that he has a defense like he has this year. That's, that's my guess. But I don't know that for sure. Well, let's switch gears to recruiting for a few minutes. Uh, Jerry, you kind of had this question yesterday, but E. Kim has modified <laughs> it a little bit. Uh, over under two and a half, five stars committed before the last game. Well, of course, last night's was just two and a half commits total, but this is five stars. What's your thoughts? I mean, I'm taking the under on that. Else, I'd be a fool <laughs> because it's hard to hit four or five stars in a row in this in, in, for college teams. I mean, I'm not sure anybody's hit four or five stars in a row like a week, a week, a week, a week type of thing. So, I would go with the under on that. Look, if Texas were to add two, that'd be hellacious. I mean, that means you're going to sign another top five class for the third straight year, which get on over the inside Texas, and I'll kind of break down how that has to work, uh, how that has to transpire. <laughs> oh, and by the way, will Colin have an NIL deal with 47 brand? I mean, he should. <laughs> I'll say he that. can't, he can't until he enrolls in college. Right, but the <laughs> second, the day he does, he should. Yeah, no doubt. Those people should be seeking him out. Edmund Lee, I, I love you, but I can't answer that one. <laughs> All right. Cardinal Player 6 says, I know it's a late question, but how come there weren't more big prospects at the pool party, a.k.a. Simmons, Black, et cetera? Uh, well, that was more of a 2025 event for Texas. Texas got Texas wanted to get those kids on campus for the official visit weekends to ensure the family, the ent entire family members, everybody they wanted on campus was there, make that more of a big recruiting event for families and kids versus a one-day event when kids were going to a lot of places that week. So that was more of a 2025 event. Look, I like Texas strategy. I, I don't think when you've signed back-to-back -to -back top five classes, hard to question the strategy. I like that they're recruiting their uh, plan A's to, through the whistle. I like that they put everything into these June official visits. And I I'll tell you this, because Texas has such great official visit weekends, that's Austin. I don't care if it's 180 degrees or not. It's Austin. It's the lake. It's the University of Texas. Everything for a weekend, staying at the Four Seasons right there on the river or lake. Uh, 
Texas official visit is tough to beat. And I think you see some teams that are recruiting against Texas wait for that late July visit to try to get kids individually or a couple of kids on campus to fight back against Texas official visit. Because I don't think some of these schools competing against Texas in this region want their kids at their school one weekend and then in Austin the next. That's my opinion. I think Texas is tough to beat on official visit weekends in June, the way this recruiting calendar set up. Uh, so the pool party was more about 2025s, and I think Texas leads for pretty big lead for three, four of those kids that were there. Now, you mentioned a minute ago that you had a new article up on InsideTexas.com regarding the road to a top five class. This question has to do with that. It's from Isaac15. He says, is getting three to five five stars enough to be inside the top five in recruiting or maybe just outside the top five? Yeah, I think I think that three five stars in this class will probably get you there as long as you know you have Wardell Mack, top hundred guys, Zena, Danny Okoye, Solomon Williams, DeAndre Carter. I think like Ivy goes to AM. There'll be a couple other guys pop up that are going to be in that top 300. So I think if you add two five stars and you add three, four more top 300 guys, you're going to be, I mean, one spoken for, the number one class is done. Number two, likely Ohio State. Three, four, five to me are in play. Um, so I think that gets Texas there. And here's another reason. I think Christian Clark's going to move up the rankings his senior year. I think Deontay Robinson and Alex January both end up inside the top 300 in the country. So solid four stars. I think Daniel Cruz could move up a little bit. And I'm not saying other guys can't, but those are four guys I have pegged. Three big guys that always move up in rankings as senior and a running back that people are just missing on because he didn't put up big stats and he plays in Arizona. Um, but each of those gets you another point in the rankings, the way this ranking system. So if you have three, four guys that make jumps, especially a couple of guys from three-star to four-star, that really can be the difference in finishing third, fourth, fifth in class rankings. If you have three five-stars and maybe about you're going to need 13 to 15 top 300 players. Right, this next one is actually going to be a two-parter, Jerry. Uh, the comment was from Gregory McFadden that sets up the next question. He says, Jerry, my cousin out of South Carolina playing at South Florence High School, Amir Adams, five-star, 25 defensive lineman, has offers from every SEC program. Is Texas not looking in South Carolina? His dad told me he sent film and waiting to hear back. And then the question from Z Cheese says, I feel like Texas doesn't currently recruit the Carolinas. Jerry, do you think this could change soon? I look uh, on the South Carolina is not a state Texas has recruited much in at all. I think as Texas starts playing SEC games, I do think they will recruit in the Carolinas more. I really do. I think there's too much talent, especially Raleigh, Durham, and East, the small towns in North Carolina produce some hellacious athletes with size. They just I, do. Bob, Bobby's talked about it for years. You, you, uh, Cleve Bryant, the old Texas assistant, uh, that was. Uh, he recruited the Carolinas for a long time with Mac Brown um, and the state of Virginia. He always felt like you could draw basically a line straight from Richmond, Virginia, all the way down to Jacksonville, Florida, and then go Jacksonville, Florida to Houston. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, that's the corridor where we think the, the majority of great players in the United States come from. Um, obviously that goes straight through the state of South Carolina. Uh, don't forget about Puna Ford, Jerry. 
Yep. Yeah. Hilton. I was going to say he was the last one, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, at the same time, that was a pre existing relationship with Charlie Strong That's from right. his prior job. Uh, Charlie Strong had recruited the state of South Carolina. I do believe uh, that that uh, Texas will likely look at uh, just about any big time defensive lineman. Uh, as we go forward, looks like we lost Blake for a little bit. I'll keep going here uh, and uh, talking about it. Jerry, you, you want to talk about some other stuff here uh, for a second? Let's start with this one because it's something you and I have been been following, I guess. Oh, boy, something going on. All right. Is from Rich Darty? is Gary Patterson not coming back? Your, your um, thoughts? The, the latest we hear is no, but look, I, I don't think the door is totally shut, but it Everything Bobby and myself are hearing right now is no. I do agree. The door is not necessarily shut. It just has to be open. That would be a, a good way to put it, right, Jerry? Yes, exactly. Um, this one, Blake, you're, you're welcome to take back over on this, uh, but I'll ask this one for Daniel Ferguson. Will Jake Majors stave off the others trying to take his job? I think with his smarts and Campbell next to him, he will. Jerry, I wrote in this morning's piece that, look, DJ Campbell looks like he's going to start, but do not take this as an indictment of Cole Hudson and his Correct. ability. I mean, just they love – Kyle Flood loves Cole Hudson. So where he, he's trying to work him at guard, other guard, center, all up and down the whole thing. So what does that mean, in your opinion, with uh, majors? I think he holds everybody off this year. What do you all think? Or what do you think, Jerry? Yeah, I think I think his play that early in the season is going to kind of um, be the deciding factor there because I think he definitely has more competition and there's players with maybe a little more size. Um, you know, Connor Roberts is 320 pounds right now. Uh, Cole Hudson's taking reps at center right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Jake Majors has to play well, no different than anybody else. I mean, look, I think the tackle spots are locked. I think Cam Williams is your third tackle and he's going to play in games this year. They're going to get him ready. Um, but I think there's serious competition on the interior. I think Jake Major's job to lose were, uh, is on the field this year. All right, guys, we got some super chats that we need to knock out here. So I'm just going to start from the top. This one from Jimmy Trevino. He says, if we average 40 points per game, what's our record? 11 and 1, 12 and, 12 and 1. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah. If they average 40 points a game, look, I talked to Phil still a couple weeks ago. He's a stats guru, right, guys? He projected Texas potentially averaging 39 points a game, giving up 21 points a game. 
That would be the widest berth Texas has had since Colt McCoy was in town. Period. End of story, right? Um, I I would say that if they average 40, 40 plus, I, I would have a hard time seeing them losing more than two games in in regular season. I think that they I still think that they're a nine, 10 win regular season team. That's that's my take on it right now, because you got to get over this hurdle of being great every single week to get that 11, 12 win season. And that is that while the culture is changing in Austin, how much has it really changed? Because that's when we see it on some on Saturday afternoons. Uh, we're going to move on to the next one. It's from UT Boy for you, Jerry. He says you need a John Tate jersey. I'll tell you after week three. <laughs> <laughs> Wyoming's going to be Wyoming's going to be recruiting him, recruiting him to play running back. Pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they lose wait, wait, wait! Is that the DeSoto jersey or Texas jersey, UT Boy? Or do you oh. have a youth jersey? Is there some youth jersey when he was on the team with Muhammad and Simmons and some of those guys? Hey, hey, Jerry, that's a good thing to bring up right now. So we, were, Jerry and I were at the co-op uh, about a week and a half ago uh, yes. down there. And we went in and they just started selling the jerseys that gives back money to the players that are personalized. So NIL, actually, if you buy a Quinn Ewers jersey right now, Quinn Ewers now officially gets a percentage of that. Awesome. You buy a Jonte Cook jersey, they officially get a percentage of that on down the road, Arch Manning, whoever you want to do. Byron Murphy is – Byron Murphy and, and Jalen Ford, by the way, may be my two favorite players on this team right now. So, Hey, we have a question, an update on Jay Witt. I've not heard anything new, different on Jay Witt. Bobby, I don't know about yourself. No, I mean, I, I haven't. Uh, maybe Steve Sarkeesian. He'll definitely get asked today. about it after practice for sure, right? Yeah, he's, he's going to be asked about injuries. Um, JT Sanders was injured during the practice if it came back. Uh, didn't look great, but you know, did not, wasn't, it clearly wasn't structural, they don't think, or else he wouldn't have come back. Um, who was the other one? Andre Kojo, Toe yep. came, back. came back in. Yeah. Yeah. So that those are, there may have been others that got dinged. Uh, we don't believe that the, at this time at least, we don't believe the uh, Jay Witt injury is serious, but. He's been injury prone, so cross right. your fingers. Right. Uh, Cameron Parker, what's good, man? He said, what's good, Jerry, Blake, and Bobby? Great to have you guys. Great to have all you guys on the uh, chat and, and online with us, um, and we, we look forward to talking to you guys all season. And on Inside Texas, head over there, $1 for one month, $25 off your annual subscription right now. Uh, tons of football and recruiting news, a couple articles already up. We'll have seven or eight more throughout the day. And don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. All right, guys, another super chat here from Kabir Hussein. He says, what's the biggest difference between an unofficial versus an official visit? All right, well, official visit is, look, um, your the university per NCAA rules can pay, pay for two parents' travel, right? So essentially, you can pay for three hotel rooms on an official visit. Um, players, two family hotel rooms, right? So... You, you can see, get the entire family, and that's plane flights as well. So you have an entire family that their travels paid for for an official visit. An unofficial visit, parents and kids have to pay their own way. So that's why if you have a great official visit, university, venue, city, 
that's why you use the the official visit as as the key in your process versus the unofficial visit, um, especially in June and versus July. Uh, and so Texas, it's a, Austin is a great city. All the families want to come to Austin for the weekend when uh, when the prospects visiting the University of Texas. And Texas is smart enough to make the most of it. But that is the big difference: is paid for family, a couple of flights, hotel rooms, food, the whole nine on official visits, unofficial visits. Uh, parents and prospect have to pay their own way. Bobby, you have anything else? Uh, no, I, I, you only get a certain amount of official visits, whereas unofficial visits, right. you can take as many as you want is the only thing I would add, um, add to that, Jerry. You're, I mean, look, official visits, kids, I think get five, they may get six now, Jerry. I don't even know what the number is. They've, I, I think they get 10 now. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's, ridiculous. It, but yeah. They're not really considering 10 schools. My point right. being that, um, I think unofficials are more likely like Colin Simmons, for example, guys took six or seven to each one he was looking at. Right. So. All right, guys, I'm going to catch us up on some more super chats. We're running a little behind on them. Uh, of course, Jerry, you are Edmund. You saw Edmund Lee's was yesterday yes. silent. You said you couldn't answer that. I'm but, silently committed on what side of the ball that's on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then Shieldsbury comes in. He says, silent commit will start on special teams for D. Camillus. Um, Don't do it, Jerry. Don't do it. Don't do it. Moving on. Hey, <laughs> I, I want to say this. No, time out. I, I want to say this about Jerry for Jerry's sake. He's not making this up. It's legitimate. So this isn't Jerry playing games. I know – we came across the same information. It's it, it's legitimate. Just let it play out, guys. Let it happen. You'll be happy when it does. Be patient. Yeah, well, good luck. I mean, <laughs> teaching patience to me is incredibly hard. So, I mean, I, I understand that. I think we all understand it. But it, it's uh, Jerry's not making anything up. Uh, this next one's from Triplet Joseph. Thank you, Joseph. He says, please don't go nine hours a day. It takes the excitement away from the videos. We won't. Yeah, we have no we have no plans to do that. What look, we're we're adding some folks uh in the coming weeks. Y'all see that, but it's not one of the things we Jerry and I talk about and Eric and everybody else, uh, Justin, uh even you, Blake, even though you're new to this a little bit in the last couple months, is we want this to be about football, recruiting, sports, Texas football, Texas sports. And so we're, there, there's not nine hours of that during the day, but we do think there's more intricate things that we could do like X's and O's. We could talk about that. We could talk about future matchups that people like. We can bring in uh, big name guests. Uh, later today, I'll be interviewing Andy Staples, for example. Uh, he, he does a national show that's really well regarded. So there are things like that we can do, but we have no plans on just being a, a radio station online, so to speak. This, But I do like the idea of starting the day with one hour so that you guys can be up to date, then go about and do your business. And we can circle back and, and fill the rest of the day with either uh, breaking news and or uh, pre-programmed stuff. And I, and I hope you do guys, you guys do like it. We we're enjoying this. It's a new medium for me and Jerry. We've been doing this 20 and 30 years. So it's a new medium for us to try to tackle and get good at. And uh, so far so good. And, we appreciate everybody joining us. Definitely. And as you said, lots of good guests coming up down the line too, Bobby. Yeah. Uh, Blake's working on one. <laughs> <laughs> UT boy says, Bobby, you disappoint me, family. 
Bama <laughs> is running into the buzzsaw. Trust me, I'm going to win a lot of money. I won't let the horns down. I've already seen the outcome, period. Hey, I hope you win all that money because then you can super chat trash talk me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. No, I look, I, I'm just saying the only thing I would say to that is, and Jerry, you can speak to this. Their defense, apparently they love this linebacker they got from Georgia that was sitting behind two draft picks yeah. that are going in the first round at Georgia. Yeah. And that was the one spot on their defense they were worried about. Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I, look, I, I think they've. And Nick Saban knows what a linebacker looks like. Yeah. I, I, I think Georgia kind of won some key front seven battles there for a while. And I think Alabama's had to fight to get back there. I think they feel better about their front seven than they have in the last couple of years at Bama. That's not – look, they have to replace a great player in Will Anderson. So I'm not necessarily saying they're going to be better at one spot. I think as a whole they think they may be, and that remains to be seen if they're correct. All right, guys, I'm going to do a, a couple more Super Chats here. Like I said, we're just so far behind on them that I need to catch up. Uh, and while we're on the subject of Bama, D Herring 5 Super Chat says, never mind Bama, how does the roster compare to someone like Michigan or Ohio State? They're going to play them both. They're going to play them both in the next four years, Jerry. Michigan's got more uh, experienced talent on their team this year. I kind of laughed when Jim Harbaugh said he might have 20 NFL draft picks on this team, meaning guys this year in the draft. He actually has 12 guys that are upperclassmen with NFL grades heading into the season. And that doesn't count. The sophomore is going to be junior. So I think Michigan, you know, and I know they lost to TCU, but I, I have a feeling this is Harbaugh's best team because he, he seems to be correct on the NFL draft eligible talent he has, which is a lot. I don't think you have that many drafted, obviously, but they have a lot with NFL draftable grades. I'll say that. So they got experienced talent. Ohio State, their defense has grown up. Uh, Tom Luganville, when we had him on the show of ESPN, um, he talked about how those young kids Ohio State played two years ago had to due to injury sometimes are all grown up now. Offensively, let's see. I mean, I, Marvin Harrison's a great player. I think they're solid at about every position, but they're still breaking in a new quarterback. And they're breaking, and they're going to have some new offensive line starters. So they're talented. Uh, I give the edge to Michigan over Ohio State this year. I, I got to say this. Michigan's done the lines right. Seven offensive, offensive line on the draft grades. They're, they're offensive and defensive line. Harbaugh has – you can say what you want about his, the skill guys. Like, yeah, some of them are really – I'm not saying they're not good. The corner, by the way, that they've got, the young corner, is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. He's out of Detroit, I think. My, my point being, though, that they've done the, the right thing with the offensive line and defensive line. You went up front, and that's where he's beaten Ohio State the last two years. It hasn't been their skill position. It's been it's been up front. Okay, this next one is from Triplet Joseph. Again, thank you, Joseph. We appreciate the other Super Chat. He says, people are fast to forget that Quinn had a perfect grade, basically. But let me ask you all this. Do you, if you could go back, Jerry, do you think that perfect grade is still deserving as of this far? Um, yeah, I think as an I think as a high school prospect, yeah. I mean, here's the thing though. He uh missing your senior year is a big deal. Yep. I mean, not playing your senior year is a big deal. So he had that grade prior to senior season, then he skipped this senior season. So I mean, people have to remember that too. Um, would he have kept that? We don't know. We don't know that. 
We don't know that. Uh, but I tend to think there's nothing that would have changed in his talent level, the way he was looked at, that would have said, yeah, he's, you know, um, he, he's going to move down from 100 to a 98. I don't think it would have been anything like that. All right, this next one, we're going to go back to. By, by the way, somebody was, oh, somebody was saying on the chat that uh, a true freshman shut down Will Anderson last year. I mean, Will Anderson had five tackles in a sack. I mean, if that's shutting somebody down, I mean, I just think people were expecting to have 15 tackles and five sacks in the game. <laughs> Good point. All right, I would love there. for Texas. I would love for Texas edge players to get five tackles in a sack in about eight games this year. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Chris Harrison says, do you think we're going to see more nickel and dime packages on defense? I feel like everyone's talking offense, but I feel like Texas defense is the strength this year. I agree. Um, and I'll say this. I think they will be at the start, in my opinion, because they have so many adults on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and I know offense brings back 10 of 11 starters, but offense also does not necessarily have as much uh, experience as the defense does overall at key positions, um, namely at quarterback, even though Quinn's got one year. Um, look, defense finished 11th in the country last year uh, with advanced stats. I think they will be better this year. Um, another person, by the way, asked, uh, Chris, asked if, uh, you know, what is Texas working on on third and fourth down? And what they are working on right now uh, based on what we've heard is more match coverage and more getting the, the boundary or the uh, field corner closer on third and fourth down. They're not going to give up. They're not going to play Deshaun Jameson seven yards off the ball on third and three. So they're going to, they're going to test some people because they think they have the personnel to do it a little bit better this year, not only at corner, but across the board. So that's, that's where it's at. Well, that leads me to this question from just the dude. He says, can we expect more takeaways from the defense or more three and outs? I believe well, so. Yeah, I think uh, I think Texas wants more takeaways. I want that. I think they want to flip the field more, um, put themselves in more favorable offensive positions. Um, so the more turnovers you have, the more you can – you can gain momentum, have quick strike momentum. I, I think that's what Sark in Texas is after. Let's go over to the other side of the football. Dimpled Wonder says, did the offensive running success seem more like a positive offensive achievement or a bad sign for our running defense? Um, from the scrimmage, Bobby, it's hard to say because, you know, it could be a, it could be a third string – uh, offensive run against a third team defensive run. I mean, those are some of the things from the scrimmage that sometimes you don't get a hundred percent handle on. Uh, so, you know, like, I don't look too much into that either way. I, I don't know about you, Bobby. Um, uh, I don't know that there, some people said the defense won scrimmage. Some people said the offense had big plays that the def defense didn't like. I typically think it's, it is, uh, a zero sum game, even though you don't think it really is at some level. I, I, I know, I know it's a uh, crazy, but that's, that's the way that works. Hey, 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 Blake Colton has a question. That I think we want, we need to drink. Hey, let, let's say hello to this guy down here on the screen guys. Justin Wells. Welcome <laughs> to coffee and football. Hey, you actually have a Rangers hat on people are going to take uh, and not think you're wearing a Texas tech hat. Well, it's actually a Rangers hat.
Texas Longhorn hat. You know I how know. they do the college days? I know. Yeah. People thought I you were like a Joey McGuire fan last week on the live stream. Well, if people don't pay enough attention, they know better than that mess. Stop throwing out that junk. Ain't nobody wearing a Texas Tech hat. That was a Canton All-Stars hat, eight and under, so recognize. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, UT boy might want to buy one of those. Um, all right. Uh, your question, you said, Jerry, from Colton, does Terrence Brooks end the season as Texas' best corner, or is that considered a bold prediction? Well, I, I don't think bold, but I'll tell you what's interesting. Somebody just asked Justin how your date was. They were on the live stream the other day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I think corner is a real position of strength, uh, and I think it's a great conversation because Terrence Brooks is much improved based on somebody I talked to uh, yesterday. Um, uh, who has a very good set of eyes, but that very good set of eyes also said Malik Muhammad's tremendous. Um, I think Gavin Holmes looks really good. His speed's really showing up, and Ryan Watts has is, has physicality in spades. So, uh, Bobby, I mean, it's a great question talking about the corner spots because it's a real strength <clears> of the team. They have four very solid players, four guys that if the NFL came through and gave draft grades today, I believe all four guys would have draftable grades. I think four players are going to be have draftable grades. Two, uh, Ryan Watts already does, but the other three guys will have higher grades than he does. Uh, Colton, my answer is I don't think that's that bold. I, I think it's most likely, actually, just so you know. So that means I think that Terrence Brooks will be the best corner on this team this year. Okay, we have a question. And I, and I didn't always say that. I want to say this. A, a month ago, if you guys have been following this, I didn't always say that until until the most recently, maybe a week or so ago. Justin, you had something? No, I just wanted to jump in and say I've been saying Terrence Brooks will be the best corner for the last six months. So just uh, <laughs> double down on mine. Thank you very much. Justin's all in. I, 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 need, I need him to be. I need him to be. I had him ranked as a five star. <laughs> Ray Peters says, Tark has received some criticism for game management. Do you see Paul Chris helping with that? One report indicated that Joe D. Camillus may help, as he did with the Rams. Yeah, he is. It's going to be – when you say game management, there's multiple aspects of it, right? So it's final two minutes or four minutes or six minutes, however the coaches break down. That will be D. Camillus uh, helping. Game management can also mean other things within the within – the, um, uh, confines of offense, defense, special teams. Uh, Chris is going to be a special, or he's going to be an offensive guy only, is my understanding. He may also talk overall practices with Sark like Gary Patterson did a year ago. And that leads me to this super chat, guys, from Cliff Beck Beckman. He says, do you know if Sark has any desire to go back to the NFL if he has success with the Horns, or is he satisfied to be a 10 to 15-plus year coach for Texas? Jerry and I have, have talked about this, and I just don't – we don't see him leaving Arch Manning. You know, what – I don't think you recruit that guy and then say goodbye to him. That That's – Guys, we're talking, just telling y'all, uh, I know people love Malik Murphy and they love Quinn Ewer. I mean, Arch Manning may be a different level prospect than those guys. And that's that's a big, I know that's a mouthful because I think both those other guys are going to make money throwing the football. But I don't think a coach that is a quarterback coach at his heart, right, an offensive coach says, 
says adios to Arch Manning. I just don't. Now, maybe somebody makes him some bizarre $15 million a year offer or something like that. That's, a, you know, that's different. But I, I see Sark uh, for uh, a good 10, 15 year run at Texas. In it for the long haul. All right, Jerry King, we appreciate the super chat. He just says, I enjoy these shows. Well, Jerry, we enjoy you tuning in. Thank you very much. Okay, UT boy has a couple of super chats. He says, you sound like a closet Bama fan. You know I'm telling Jonte, either hook him or be quiet. And then <laughs> he follows that up with one for Justin. And he says, Justin, do you know Jonte? Well, I don't fall into the trap, Justin. Be careful. Be very careful here. I, I don't know what I've gotten into. No, you don't. <laughs> You don't and, want to know. And, and knowing that I do know Jonte, I'm You're going done. back out of this one. You're done. You're done. <laughs> hey, I want to say this about I, am I a closet? I sound like a closet Bama fan. I kind of am, but not because I like Bama. It's because I like excellence. And they've been the last 15 years of college football. They've been a model of excellence. Standard. Yes. So it's not that I'm a Bama fan by any stretch. There's no have no interest in Tuscaloosa or, you know, that sort of thing. I do think that they've been a standard of excellence and uh, have, have done extremely well. So from that standpoint, it's more like a, a, a measure of respect, right? You respect your opponent, you know? Definitely. All right. We got, let's see, a couple more Super Chats we got to get through. Another one from Chris Harrington. He says, good stuff, guys. I would personally love to see more cover two man. I feel like these defensive backs can get up and jam and knock the wide receivers off their routes. What are y'all's thoughts? They're, you're going to see it. You're, you're not wrong. So, uh, Ryan Watts is already on it. I think the great thing about um, Terrence Brooks, and Jerry and I talked about this while he was being recruited, and I'm sure Justin uh, thought it as well, is Terrence Brooks does a great job of mirroring people. Like it's it's a different skill than turning and running. It's a different, I mean, to be able to see a, a feel a receiver's move and then be able to go with it, it's just, it's called mirroring. And he does it, I think, as well as anybody that you're going to see. Uh, you saw it on high school film. You saw it last year against Washington. He mirrored people better. Like he knows when they're gearing down. He can feel it. Yeah, he just does a great job. So because of that, Chris, it's going to allow Texas to go more man that way. And he's got a 79 or 80 inch wingspan. He's got as long arms as I've ever seen. And I'll be interested to see what it actually measures at the NFL combine. I might be a little over on that 78 and a half, 79. But when you're 5'11 and three quarters, six feet, that's an incredible wingspan. All right, we have a question here from Jordan Holloman. He says, there's been a lot of uplifting news coming from this channel, which has been a nice following. What is UT missing to be part of the playoff conversation? Time. Experience. You know, I could see the defense leading the way early in the season, the offense coming on later if Quinn Ewers steps up. Uh, what are y'all's thoughts, Jerry and Justin? Yeah, I think um, I, I agree with you on that. I, I think that this offensive line continuing to grow up. I mean, obviously they lose Christian Jones, um, but they Kelvin Banks, you have another year. These young kids you have uh, with you for multiple years. Um, I, I think, you know, 
being better as pass rushers, getting the quarterback to the ground. I, I think it's one thing that when people chart hurries, that's nice to look at. I get it. It's a talking point. But getting quarterbacks to the ground and changing an offense's flow and rhythm um, is a big thing in football for me, especially at the college game. Um, the more pressure you can put on a quarterback behind the change to make plays, the, the the better off you are as a program, obviously. Uh, so I think that – and look, I think I think Texas kind of got over the hump at Kansas State a couple of games last year, right, um, where they had to win late. You know, I, I think they – it doesn't – you know, look, if, if Texas won in Tusco, it's a tough call, tough ask. That they're all that you go to another level in your belief, and I think this Texas team believes. But I think if you actually put it on the board, your belief goes to another level. I mean, look, the nobody can sit here and say as talented as Vince Young and those Texas teams were, if that kick doesn't go through against Michigan, if that Lima Swede doesn't make that catch against Ohio State, those were two. Huge moments for a very talented team. That took them to another level of belief in the locker room. I agree. What if Philip Giger doesn't run into the punter against Colorado in 2001? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Justin clearly had a bad dream last night. <laughs> it's almost football season. Justin's having bad dreams. <laughs> Already. <laughs> That's right. We're 19 days away from Texas first kick, guys. Uh, we got one more super chat from Poe Casino. Thank you. He says, hook on, on Texas football. What's your over-under through the first three games? 600 yards rushing, 900 yards passing. Ooh. Personally, he's taking the over on both of those. Woo, 1,500 yards offense in three games. Um, 500 a game on average. That means you got to – Timeout. One of them is against Alabama. I know. what Rice and Wyoming are going to get annihilated to what level to get there. Um, and Rice is going to want to deflate the ball. Let's just—they're yeah. going to want to run. You're not yeah. going to get a. I mean, I don't know. With the new rules and the new clock, we're going to learn some new things in the first few months. So th yeah. that's going to be hard to measure when you're starting to predict yardage and averages and stuff like that right now. We need to see how college football reacts and more importantly, how Sark and this offense reacts with the new rule. One of the things with the new rule change that uh, of the clocks running on first downs, I, I say first down run defense is more important than ever in college football. First down run defense. If you can get somebody at a second and nine, second and ten, maybe even behind the chains, it's going to change. It's going to change how these teams that want to eat the clock, how they have to attack. If you, if these teams are getting four and five on first down, then they control that possession. First down run defense is huge with this clock change, uh, this rule change for me. All right, guys. We are caught up on the Super Chats, and I think that's about it, unless y'all have anything else to add. No, I just want to wrap up. Uh, Texas had its first scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, later today at about 11 o'clock, Steve Sarkeesian uh, will step to the microphone uh, and uh, talk uh, about uh, what's going on with the Longhorns. Uh, 
couple other notes that I think is, is important. And uh, we're, we're going to be trying to do this each and every morning. It won't, it'll be a cast of characters. Blake will always be the host. I'll be around. Justin and Jerry will be around as well. Um, and I also want to say one last thing, and this is going to be kind of a non sequitur to everything I've talked about thus far. University of Texas today announces a relationship with MD Anderson Hospital. MD Anderson is already the number one nation's cancer care center in the, in the country down in Houston. The Irwin Center, okay, in Austin is going to be demolished and there will be an MD Anderson Hospital on its grounds. That is getting announced today. Um, for people in Central Texas, uh, you know, I had an, a grandfather pass away from cancer. He was at MD Anderson. They took great care of him, uh, prolonged his life. Uh, I'm happy to hear that they're, they're bringing that to Austin, uh, definitely. So just want to add that. Say it before we get going here. Justin and I will have the roundup uh, later this morning. Uh, he and I are getting ready to talk about that today. We're going to be talking about scrimmage and more notes that he took uh, from his sources, as well as other news and notes on the recruiting trail. Uh, Blake, let it let us out of here, guys. Well, I was about to just do that, and then a super chat came in, guys. Yeah. We got to hit this one real quick from Football Junkie. How does the defense do as far as sacks and pressure Saturday, or how did they do? Jerry, the you go with that one, bud. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't hear anything. I mean, Justin may have heard something on that. But they I mean, dialed up a lot of blitzes, Jerry. Yeah, they yeah up I mean, a lot. I, I, think, I think a lot of blitz, a lot of linebacker blitzes. Yes. Um, I, I think they were trying to really uh, bring numbers in the game, in the uh, pass rushing game. So, sacks and pressures, we don't have a number on that, though, from the scrimmage. I will say that. But I think the pressures came from different spots, not just edge, not just interior defense. Uh, they they brought a lot of pressure. Billy Walton uh, was a was maybe the surprise of the scrimmage in that regard. By the yeah. way, now he was working with the third team, um, so he still had some good reps. Yeah, yeah. You guys, you, you guys get it. All right, thanks, guys. All right, uh, we'll see you again tomorrow morning. Y'all have a good one. And thanks to all our Super Chats. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. Rudy Serta, Jimmy Trevino, UT Boy, Edmund Lee, Triplet Joseph 44, Shillsbury, Kabir Hussein, Chris Harrington, D. Herring 5, Dimpled Wonder, Jerry King, Cliff Beckman, Pocasino, and last but not least, Football Junkie. And as Bobby said, Hillman Justin will be back here in a little bit with the roundup, so don't forget to check that out. And then head on over to InsideTexas.com for the latest and greatest on all things Longhorns. And we'll see you tomorrow morning.